my name is Lisa Green. I'm a first year. I am the Vice President of Religion and Culture at Hillel Society here at Lafayette. And I'm Morgan Limmer. I'm a senior. I'm the Interfaith Fellow here at Lafayette. Um, and welcome back to the Colton Corner. Wonderful. We are so pleased to have our next guest, the amazing Emily Tao. Emily, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your year, your major, what you're involved in. My name is Emily. I'm a junior here. I major in physics and neuroscience. Uh, I've been on the Halal board for almost three years now. Uh, I've been the vice president of communications for the past two years. Uh, I've also been involved in interfaith council. And aside from religious events, I've been also very involved in a Quest and Women in Physics and Physics Club. Amazing. Great. Um, well, so starting off, uh, we just want to ask, what are your earliest memories of your religion and your earliest religious experiences? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I can't define it like an earliest memory. One of the first mm -hmm. things that I can pinpoint is definitely like a Jewish experience I had. I was maybe four years old. I remember getting to light the menorah mm -hmm. with the help of my mom, but I remember that was very cool. I was very small and I was like looking up at these sparkly lights. Um, and that's like the earliest thing I can remember of any sort of Jewish experience. It's really cool to hear. So speaking of your mom and those kind of early influences, who were the people who guided you and your role models in religion growing up? When I was younger, it was really mainly my parents. Mm -hmm. We did not go to services very often. We were much more the roll in at the end of services for brunch kind of people. That's the best. Um, which was great, but it meant I was very un disconnected from my um, synagogue until I had a, uh, there was a, Hebrew school teacher who would also lead children's services during the regular services, um, mm -hmm. Peggy. So I would beg to go. She was so great. She made it very easy for me to understand as someone who didn't go to Hebrew school mm -hmm. and was not very familiar with most like practices within Judaism. Uh, I still had a lot of fun. I was able to learn like Jewish values and songs and prayers and stories through her. And so she made it very accessible to me in a way that I uh, appreciate greatly. Yeah. That's really cool to hear. Do you remember the specific kind of activities uh, that you had and stuff so, like that? Yeah, we would sing lots of songs. There were coloring pages. We would all take turns telling stories. Um, usually during services, we would do our own mini version of services that also involved like jumping on chairs and playing with stuffed <laughs> animals. And we'd make up our own little songs in English about the prayers. So we, I, I like, knew what we were saying. <laughs> um, and it was, it was very nice. That sounds like so much fun. Obviously, things like change when you get older. So could you describe like your relationship with Judaism as you were growing up and how that has kind of changed over time? Yeah, definitely. It, it had definitely changed as I got older. I remember I would, I watched a lot of Christmas movies as a kid just because they were on TV. So that was where my big perception of God came from mm -hmm. was like, it's a wonderful life. I actually really liked mm -hmm. that God was just a star. I, I remember I really connected to that. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, I had a lot of trouble in like middle school and high school feeling connected to any sort of religion. Mainly the idea of an all-powerful God really did not sit right with me. When I could look mm -hmm. around and see everyone and all of the world, people were suffering, I was struggling, and it didn't right. seem fair to me that even if this was part of the plan, it seemed like a pretty terrible plan. And so I really struggled with that concept. And I, mm -hmm. my family didn't go to services that often, so when we would go, I would skip. I would find other yeah. things to do because I didn't really want to sit through a service where I didn't feel like I was gaining anything. Did you ever talk to anyone about those feelings, like your parents, or, or ask them questions about it? So I actually would talk to my uh, my friends. Most of them weren't Jewish, but we would just like sit in the woods or sit in cemeteries and have like <laughs> stare at the stars and talk about this kind of stuff because we were all feeling very alienated from religion through mm -hmm. different from different religions, but from a very similar thing. I think a group of queer kids all felt very not welcome in our religious yeah. spaces. But as I got older, uh, my synagogue actually ended up getting a lot more, uh, it's a conservative synagogue, but I ended up getting a lot more like 
politically liberal, mm. which worked out very well for me. And uh, I mean, it, it became very interesting the, uh, the way I started understanding God through, even though my family goes to conservative synagogue, through a reformed Judaism lens of mm. um, God as a concept, not necessarily an all-powerful being. Yeah. And I mm. felt very much more understood by that. Do you feel like you relate more to kind of the customs and the community more than like a higher being? So yeah, a lot of people describe themselves as Jewish, as yeah. in they were culturally Jewish but not religious. But I actually didn't have a lot of cultural Judaism either, yeah. uh, because my parents hated their experience in Hebrew school. So oh. in response, did not want to force religion onto their children, which yeah. I appreciate, but meant I um, now kind of unaware of a lot of things. So I've been the mm-hmm. one bringing these traditions back to my family. My parents really love it. My sister gets excited because we <laughs> like. I'll just, like, find random traditions from people I've met. and like, oh, we can do this for this holiday that no one knows existed. Um, But it's been very interesting. The uh, kind of way my parents, trying to not push religion on me, (laughs) made it difficult for me to uh, understand religion. So was there a moment or an event that kind of inspired you to, you know, come back around to religion and examine it a little more? Yeah, there's a couple. They're a little (laughs) sad. Um, In middle school, a close friend of mine died. I'm so sorry. Um, and that was kind of pushed me away even more. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was very difficult. I had a lot of my own struggles around that time. And I think finding uh, some sort of purpose was very difficult for me. And I just kept thinking, if this either there's a God, there's no God, or if there is God and they're making me suffer, I hate that God. But eventually I was able to find more meaning. I Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today, and she said something that I think actually captures what I was trying to to explain, and it was um, like when everything is going wrong and you feel like everything is against you, that feeling that makes you keep going, that is God. Mm, And I think I really understand it like that, like better than most other descriptions of God I've I've, like read or heard. Yeah, like God is resilience, or God is kind of that like... Strength. um, Yeah, unexplainable strength that you have in moments of weakness. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. Um, and thank you for being vulnerable with us to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind getting into it, uh, could you talk about your relationship with Judaism and queerness? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I was very lucky to grow up in a very liberal town where um, for pride parades, all the local religious groups were there marching in the parades, um, all but like a couple, but it was yeah. still like very welcoming. There like Catholic churches were even involved, which wow. I thought was like a very big deal. Um, and it was very nice. It was just um, very, there's a difference between seeing a few members of your uh, like uh, religious groups in a parade and having the leaders express that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older, my I think it was around 2016, in response to Trump's election, my rabbi went kind of hard left. Mm-hmm. And he used to be someone who's more apolitical and let everyone feel what they felt. And he decided that as Jews, we cannot up with that anymore we have to be responsible we have to protect be those who need protecting so we our synagogue got what part of the rooms got converted into a sanctuary for Mm -hmm. like refugees and for undocumented people um, one man who's undocumented who was supposed to be deporting after he got a parking ticket um and so uh he actually stayed in a church and then in a synagogue and then in a different church for a while until he got that Mm -hmm. sorted and some members of the synagogue were upset about this Mm -hmm. liberalism and in response he said find a different synagogue we're not accommodating mm-hmm. your views when there's people suffering. And I think that's something in Judaism that I feel gets ignored sometimes, that like, mm-hmm. 
often we're considered, we call ourselves the chosen people, and that usually means chosen to suffer and chosen to be the persecuted. Right. And if we're saying that we're the persecuted and not defending the others, the other people who are being persecuted and suffering, I feel like... What's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I felt very appreciative of my rabbi. I started actually talking to him more, and I got to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he, my mom also got closer. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I really respect everything he's done. He's been arrested several times now for protesting. Uh-huh. Um, and I just appreciate he's decided that, like, he's going to, like, live what he preaches. And mm-hmm. if that means protecting those and uh, defending what's right, even if it's against the law, he's doing it. And I think that's really important. It's really inspiring to see that kind of solidarity from your religious leaders. I feel like that's an experience not a lot of people, like, get to have. Yes, and also what I appreciate um, is off all of his work with protesting was interfaith. He was working with other mm-hmm. priests and imams, and they like there's a photo of him and a group of other religious leaders from many different religions all uh-huh. being arrested together. And I thought that was really important. Of the, this is not just a Jewish problem; it's a it's a problem of everyone for everyone to defend. Mm-hmm. And the solidarity of between religions, I think, is hard to find. And I really appreciated that he was working to show that. Yeah. Definitely. That's so rare. And I, I'm sure that, you know, seeing representation of so many different groups made it easier to connect to those people. Um, were there any friends that you made um, from those experiences, like people of different religions? Um, so I actually made more, f- I had lots of friends from non-Jewish religions through mm-hmm. school. It was actually through get becoming involved in Judaism that I made Jewish friends because most of my friends were Christian just because most people are and yeah. I ended up in public school, so like odds were, um, which was interesting because I would get to go over for Christmas events and I would get to make my friends latkes and they'd be like, what are you doing tonight? Come over, <laughs> it's Friday. And I'd be like, no, hang on, I have to light candles. I'll be there yeah. later. Um, but it was very, uh, I felt very scared at first when I started doing events with Jewish community because I I was never uh, bought mitzvah. I never went to Hebrew school, so I really did not feel like I knew what I was doing. But having my friends and their families, when I'd go over for holidays that my family didn't celebrate, they'd be like, yeah, we'll explain it to you. Do you want, have you ever had this food? No, you haven't? Okay, we'll explain what's happening and we'll like, tell you how it works because they just wanted me to understand and feel welcome. I was really happy. Oh, right. I think those invitations are so important because if you don't feel that, it's so easy to feel alienated. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious about kind of when you started embracing tradition and culture a little bit more and different holidays, were there any kind of stories or holiday traditions that really stood out to you? And are there any that are your favorites even today? So one of my favorite holidays I learned about was Shavuot. Uh, I still don't totally know what it is. It's one of the three major pilgrimages. But what I do know is that you celebrate it by making cheesecake. So immediately, <laughs> there you go. That's an end. That's exactly, exactly Amazing. favorite holiday. Um, also, just like a weird thing is like my family, we were very relaxed with the way we practiced most holidays. So it was in college that I learned about, like for Passover, which just happened about quinoa, which are like foods that aren't leavened bread that you still can't eat. I also learned that the rule is not if it's flat, it's kosher, that there are actually only matzah bread is the only, or matzah is the only kosher bread, not just anything that's flat, like tortillas and crackers, Yeah. Um, which is how I was raised, because that just is easier to explain to kids. Yeah, It makes flat, more you know? sense, yeah. Um, so, so it was very different getting to college, you'd be like, oh, this is how, like, and when I decided I wanted to keep kosher, like, traditionally, I'd be like, this is a lot more work than I thought it would be. <laughs> Yeah, going into the college stuff, could you talk about your time with Hillel? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I first, I think the second week of college, I was like, all right, I want to go to Hillel. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that house is, and (laughs) I live in K-Line. 
So I like walked around and I saw someone else who was like, are you Jewish? Are you trying to find Hillel? And they were like, yeah. And another one was like, are you Jewish? We're like, okay, yeah, we're both Jewish. We're trying to find Hillel. And they're like, all right, we can do it together. So we got like Google Maps up and be like, it's not even a big campus, but we got Google Maps and we walked across campus and we found the house. And it immediately, it was so fun. I was really stressed at first because they gave us these like packets of prayers and I didn't know most of them and people were like bowing at spots and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And it was like a little overwhelming for someone who's not been very involved with like Jewish like services before. Right. Uh, and then in the middle of it, uh, they did a thing called Good Thing of the Week where everyone sits and everyone in the room goes around the room and everyone says one good thing that happened to them that week. And I think that's what made me feel really just happy to be there and so excited to be part of Hillel was um, mm-hmm. even when you've had a terrible week here in a room full of 10 or 20 people who go like, here's the good thing that happened to me this week. Here's the good thing that happened to me. It just felt so happy and such like a it made the community feel so close, even though we barely know each other at first. Mm. It just made me very happy. It's still one of my favorite things Hillel does. Um, and I'm happy that we've been able to continue that through the pandemic. Yeah. I think it's such a wonderful dose of positivity. I, I always look forward to it, too. Are there any other um, things with Hillel that you most look forward to every year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I look forward to our interfaith Seder. Unfortunately, I've only been to one because last year it got canceled, and this year we did it over Zoom, so I guess that was something. But the idea of a, of a group hosting an interfaith Seder that not just says it's interfaith, but like works hard to be interfaith and gets large attendance from people who aren't Jewish, I think it's really great because Passover is a holiday where you're supposed to welcome in the stranger, right. teach people about the story, just like share your food, and I think it's that's the perfect kind of holiday to celebrate with other religious groups and I think you know it's not one that involves much conflict between religious groups it's just like doesn't it suck to be oppressed yeah let's eat I'm sure that's a lot of Jewish holidays but I really appreciate that people are so engaged in it and that we get like community together yeah even though it was over zoom this year I thought that Intergate Seder this year was very beautiful yeah Lisa did a great job leading oh Oh, my goodness your voice man oh thanks (laughs) incredible Could you speak a little bit more to like the interfaith involvement on campus? Yeah, so I've had a, I had, when I got to college, I was very uh, confused about interfaith stuff because um, part of Judaism, is, or at least an aspect I was raised with, was that the way it's understood is Jews have to practice this way, but other people not only don't have to, but shouldn't because it's right. a lot of work and it's, you don't need to. Um, so I was on, I grew up with religion where like, I can do it my way and that's right. And if you're doing it your way, we're both right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got to college and it was a little, I was exposed to many more, uh, religious groups and I was realized that like, not every religious group sees it that way, which I yeah. realized makes yeah. interfaith work a lot harder, mm-hmm. um, which could be seen at times on interfaith council when Hillel was trying to run every event and other groups were like, yeah, we can do that. But it, I've been happy that and more recently we've been getting more and more groups involved and we've been able to do things like the interfaith crawl um, and just getting to know each other and it's been very exciting because part of Judaism is like the value of teaching and learning and I think that includes learning about other cultures and religions and teaching other people about our culture and welcoming them in, welcoming them in. like you don't have to be Jewish to come to our, our dinners on Friday nights a lot of people aren't some people just live nearby and want a free meal and you go hey free food come get free food <laughs> And I think that's really important to understand the value of like uh, education and just learning about other people. Mm-hmm. I think the inclusion and the warmth aspects are so central to Judaism and to especially to our Hillel community. And I really think that's one of the best things it has to offer. And kind of in that vein, um, have you met people or had experiences you weren't expecting to through Hillel? 
Um, yeah, I had a, well, first of all, I, um, my friend Hayden, who I now live with, we met through Hallel. Um, we did theater together and didn't really know each other. <laughs> we didn't really know each other in Hallel, but we suddenly became friends toward the end of freshman year, and we were both like, we don't have a roommate for next year. Do you want to, like, live together, maybe? <laughs> and it turns out we, like, had a lot in common and got along really well, and, like, if I hadn't met her, I would not have, definitely would not have been li- lived with her if I had not yeah. been in through Hallel. Now I'm living in the Hallel house, which I did not think I would be doing. Right. But it's a very strange but fun place to live. Um, and just, like, uh, I have another friend of mine, uh, Zev. He's from, like, two towns over from me. It's so funny. And his dad works a block from my home. My mom works, like, down the street from him and his or his home. It's so strange. And there's these weird small world things that I just keep making connections. But even uh, beyond Hallel, being able to just be involved in... Uh, like regular, I guess it's still halal things, but in holidays, just meeting people who are like, oh, I didn't know you were Jewish when I come sit, like, I've seen you in one class, let's, we don't have people to sit with, let's sit together, and it's just like fun little ways to connect to people that, uh, that like shared experience, that is really nice. Well, uh, thank you for giving us your time and sharing like the ups and downs of your process with faith, Uh, is there anything you want to tell people, like closing out? Um, I don't think so, I just... I think one of the most important parts of religion is just community. And I think that's something that I really appreciate with Judaism and this halal in particular. Yeah, and definitely. And uh, we asked this uh, previously, but you don't feel like you have to say yes. Mm -hmm. But would you be willing to give out your email if people have questions for you? Yeah, totally. So in general, there's the halal email where you can always send questions, which Mm -hmm. is halal.lafayette.edu. And I run that email, so you can send any <laughs> any emails there. That, that's that's just me. Um, so if you want to reach out to Halal, it's feel like it's easy to remember, and we can get as, as specific or vague as you want with questions. Amazing. Absolutely. Well, Emily, thank you so much again for your time and for being such a wonderful guest, for being so vulnerable and, and open with us. Um, and I think this has been a really amazing conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of Colton's Corner.